Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. God is here. It's so good to, this is the uh, biggest group we've had in weeks, months. So good to see everyone. Uh, it makes it so much different now that I can look at it. And there's enough faces here that um, you guys out there, I won't be looking at you so much today because we got so many beautiful faces right in front. So praise the Lord. You're beautiful faces too, even though I can't see you there. But we got some live beauty, beautiful faces. Praise God. Well, um, we'll get into the message here, uh, but I just thought at least I could say that after a couple months I have my wife back, so... Hello. <laughs> yes, that's all I'll say. I could say a lot more, but that's enough. It's good to have her home. Okay, praise the Lord. Well, you know, it's really everything goes better when you pray, so I'm just going to pray before we open up into the Word today. Father, I acknowledge that uh, everything goes better, and it's just everything's so much better when we acknowledge you and invite you to help us so father again thank you for helping as we look into your word father uh, never has there been such a critical time on the earth as there is right now for us to walk with you and to follow you and to obey you and to do what you've called us to do so father thank you for helping us as we get into your word in jesus name amen well, I was mining, and, and well, let me take a step back because um, I wasn't, you know, this, this changed a little. When Wendy gave that word, you know, and the beginning of that word was about the time that we're living in. And I, I think the Lord uses everyone differently. Uh, so I know that, you know, there's so many approaches that we could take uh, concerning the time that we're living in. There's so many different solutions and everyone would go away. And I felt like this was a way that the Lord was uh, helping us to go, at least for Rhema Family Church. And I'll tell you in a second, but I, I thought about Acts chapter 7. We're not going to put it up there, but you know, there's Acts 17 and verse 6. And that's, that verse says that in the early days of the church, the early apostles, it says that they turned the world upside down. And I thought, what a time they were living in because, you know, well, they're preaching the gospel in a place that actually their whole country was ruled by the law like the the jewish law and here comes like the grace gospel you know and that in itself caused a lot of you know tension and a lot of stuff but they turned the world upside down by staying with the gospel you know then even in acts chapter 14 and verse 6 it, it in that particular verse it uses a term it says notable miracle that there was a notable miracle so they stayed with the gospel, they had miracles, signs and wonders, and they made a huge impact. And I really feel like as we get into this message today, what the Lord's telling us as a, as a church, stay with the gospel, and you'll see as we get into it, because even in these times that are so, like, so many different things going on with the tension and the anger and all this stuff, we can turn the world upside down if we stay with the gospel. And so here's what happened. I'm walking around minding my own business on Friday afternoon and, uh, and thinking about when, 
well, this is two Fridays. Was this two Fridays ago? I don't even remember now what Friday it was. But um, as I'm there on Friday afternoon in our kitchen, these words came to me, and they just came so quick and easy. And, I'll, and here they are. It's spiritual laws, graces, promises, commandments, authority, callings, gifts of the Spirit. They just came like that. And then I, I thought, well, let me get something to write it down because I, some of you probably know sometimes you get something from the Lord and you go, man, that's great, and you don't write it down and you go, that was really great, but I don't even remember what it was. Am I the only one that that happens to? So I immediately ran and got a piece of paper and I wrote those words down. As soon as I did that part, and it's amazing, like if you don't do one part, sometimes you don't get another part. <laughs> so I did that part and then right after I wrote them down, then the Lord continued so here's what happened then he gave me further words so it's like spiritual laws cooperate with them graces receive discover and labor in them promises possess them commandments do them authority exercise it callings answer them gifts of the spirit flow in them and so it just came like a machine gun and and i thought wow you know what what the lord is saying is if we actually do that 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 answers everything else you know, if we, if we do all of those things, because when you stay with the gospel and flow and do all the things those, like that, you know, what happens is it attracts people, they get saved, their hearts are changed. It, you know, and when, when a person's heart's changed, a lot of times it solves most of the other problems. And the more people in the world that get saved, it changes the whole attitude of the world. You know, uh, I remember, because I grew up in a time, you know, at my age, and some of you here are my age or older, and I, I don't really know because I didn't live in Australia back then, but I grew up in a time in, in, in America where abortion was illegal. But, you know, when, and so they did underground. I mean, when things are illegal, they just go underground. I mean, there's gun runners. They sell guns. It's illegal to be a, sell guns, but they do it underground. You know, when drugs are illegal, they do it underground. When abortion was illegal, they did it underground. They still did it. Here, what is my point? And so, um, so in, until somebody's heart is changed, sinners sin. But when they get born again, everything changes. So I, I believe it's still the, Jesus is the answer for the world. And no matter what time we're living in, we, these things really make a difference. So then there's, there's a statement here that I just wanted to, to read. Um, we are to cooperate with spiritual laws, have an abundant amount of grace, possess promises, do commandments, exercise authority, answer callings, and flow in the gifts of the Spirit. That's, that's us. I mean, there's more, but that's enough. For <laughs> That's what the Lord gave me. And so this is kind of like a road map, I think, on where we're going in the coming weeks. And then with that said then I felt like the Lord was like impressing on me, even in the order that it came, spiritual laws, to look into at least one spiritual law today. And here's why that happened. I felt like he pointed out a spiritual law to me and said, because that spiritual law, as others, they affect all the other things. So like if you don't cooperate with spiritual laws, it hinders grace. And, and we'll look at that and, as we go, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So let's just talk about uh, laws here for a minute. Spiritual laws are a lot like natural laws. And the law of uh, gravity is a big thing. 
So gravity works. So here's one thing about laws. They work for everyone, everywhere, and every time. Everyone, everywhere, and every time. So, you know, Brad was up here, and you know, if Brad would, if he would come up here now, I think I'm like big and strong, like when I look at myself in the mirror, but then Brad comes up and I think, you know, I'm kind of a wimp, you know. But if I jumped off here, gravity's going to work for me, and I'm going to go down. It's going to just happen, and it'll be quick. But the thing is, if Brad comes up here and jumps down, he's going to not go up. He's going to go down. And if everyone in here comes up here and jumps down, they're all going to go down because gravity works for everyone, everywhere, and every time, unless the person that designed an airplane and they came up with a way to overcome gravity, and that's the law of lift and push and thrust and all that, and then an airplane can overcome the law of gravity. So that happened. But other than that, gravity works for everyone, everywhere, and every time. Well, spiritual laws would be the same way working for everyone, everywhere, and every time. Especially, you know, there are some spiritual laws that have actually worked outside of Christianity. Like there's corporations and big businesses, they decided to tithe, and when they became tithers, even though they weren't Christians, tithing worked for them. They gave 10% of their profits uh, into charities and whatever, and they felt like their businesses were prospered by tithing as a corporation. And, and there are stories about that and testimony. So some of these laws can even work outside the kingdom of God. But uh, like, for example, ones in the kingdom, like the spiritual law, like of, uh, the, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. If, you get, if you're born again, the law of the spirit of, of, of Christ, and, I'm sorry, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, it sets you free. Everybody that's born again, it works the same way. You're, it, you're set free from the law of sin and death. I mean, sometimes unless people renew their mind, they don't really experience the benefits like they could, but you are set free from the law of sin and death. And then there is the, the law of faith. And the law of faith can work for everyone, everywhere, and every time. If you're a Christian, that works. Then there is the finances, the law of, of sowing and reaping, as I just mentioned. It's even worked outside the kingdom. So these are various spiritual laws that we're not looking into today, but, uh, but we want to look at one spiritual law. Now this is what we want to look at, Whereas, like some of the ones that I read, it says the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And it says the law of faith. It's right in the Bible. The word law is there. Now, now this does not have the word law, so we're going to look at it and see, does, does it meet the criteria to be a law? So what we want to do is look at a scripture, and then we want to see, is this really a spiritual law? So 1 Peter 5.5, 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then over in James 4, 6, it says the exact same thing, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So uh, those two scriptures, uh, they both say exactly the same thing, that God will oppose the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. So the question is, would that meet the criteria to be a spiritual law? And I would say yes, it would, because uh, it doesn't have any exceptions. So uh, if God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, as far as in his house goes in the church world, it's going to work the same way for everyone, everywhere, and every time. 
Now, no need to be concerned about if this is, uh, if you think, well, am I, is God opposing me? Let's just go through here, and uh, you don't have to be concerned at this time uh, about where you are in this. So let's do this, first of all. Let's kind of break it down. And first of all, let's even go back to the various things that he said. Why would we want to cover this spiritual law first? So here's the reason. It's real simple. The law of humbling, and by the way, I'm calling this the law of humbling. So this spiritual law, I kind of put a name on it. I didn't find it anywhere, but when you look at it, it meets the criteria, I believe, to be a spiritual law. So we're just going to call it the law of humbling. So the law of humbling affects many things. And why do I say that? Well, here's the one reason why, you know, the list that we had, we had spiritual laws and graces. So let's go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 6, and it says, having gifts then differing according to the grace given to us. So even the gifts, I mean, we could have such a list of this, but the gifts that we're all gifted, like we need, it's by grace that we're even gifted. So if God opposes us and we do not have the grace we need, it affects us in a big way. Then here's another scripture, uh, Acts 4, verse 33. It says, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. So anywhere there's great grace, there can be great power. So, it's, so if there's anything that we want, it's grace. And so you might say, well, this message, you know, it doesn't seem real gracious. You know, everyone that has been around for a while, you know that I really cherish uh, teachings on grace. I love that, that line of, I just thank God for the grace of God. So this is gracious because if, we, if it helps us to make it, in, in one way it could seem like a little confronting. You're, you're saying like, I have to make a change, but think about it. If we make changes, what happens, we get more grace. And if there's great grace, there's great power. And so even to get the job done, we want to make sure we have all the grace that we can get. Okay, so this, uh, this affects various things. Like it promises, like if you put that list back up there again, you have graces. So everything we do in this kingdom is by grace. We're healed by grace through faith. We serve by grace through faith. Everything we do is by grace through faith. But then there's promises. You know, if, this, if it tells us that God opposes the proud, then wouldn't it be difficult to possess a promise if God is opposing us? We just want grace, and we do not want any opposition for, from the creator of the entire universe, from Almighty God, from all-knowing God, and he knows our hearts. You know, and you can be on the outside one way, but on the inside, uh, you've you got some other things going on there. God knows all that. Maybe you can fake out a person, but you can't fake him out, so it's just better that we all just humble ourselves under his mighty hand and receive grace. Then even authority, it's difficult to exercise spiritual authority if God is opposing you. So this first thing that we're looking at, this law of humbling, it affects every other area, okay? So it's true about everything. So that's the first thing. The law of humbling affects many things. Here's the second thing, and that, that's just like we want to have another look at the law of humbling. So let's do that. So let's go, and we're going to back up to 1 Peter 5 and verse 1 because we want to look at this in context. So we're going to look at the first four verses now, and look what it says. It says, I who myself, I, I'm sorry, I who am myself, one of the rulers of the church and a witness of the death of Christ, having my part in the coming glory, send you this serious request to the chief, uh, chief men among you. So notice that I underlined, well, I didn't underline it. I made a boo-boo, but I, I thought I underlined it. <laughs> um, 
But serious request. So th this is interesting. It starts off and it says, this is a serious request. And then the, the next thing we want to notice, he says, I myself. So this is Peter, and he was one of the rulers of the church. Another, he's, in, he's in leadership in the church. And then he says, uh, then he says, also, I'm writing this to the chief men among you. So this starts off in context to those that are in leading positions, like pastors, elders, those kind. That's who it starts off to address. So, and it's a serious request. All right, now let's look at the next verse. It says, keep watch over the flock of God, which is in your care, using your authority, not as forced to do so, but gladly, and not for unclean profit, but with a ready mind. So very, you know, quickly there, it's this is talking to the leaders, and it's saying, watch over the flock. So leaders, watch over the flock. You know, and, and if you think about, well, what would they watch over? Well, just before Jesus, you know, he, he told Peter some things before he left. And so, I mean, church has a lot of elements to it, but he told Peter, do you love me? Three times, and Peter said, yeah, and he said, feed my sheep. So when we think, you know, when you watch over the flock, a lot of it has to do with feeding. And so that's why, you know, they always have this old thing, pastor, protect your pulpit, <laughs> you know, so you know that when we let somebody behind our pulpit, we, we just don't do that flippantly. Because one way to watch over the flock is to make sure what you're teaching is the right stuff, okay? So um, watch over the flock, then use your authority. You know, what is he saying in verse 2? Use your authority properly. Um, uh, and then he's also saying that we're not in the ministry to make money, so it's not like business people that you go in the ministry and it's like a business and you have all of these ways to get wealthy. But I do want to say this. I know ministers that obey God and they did not go in the ministry. They went in with all the right motives. And I know a number of them were they got so blessed financially and it wasn't from receiving offerings and twisting people's arms. It was the favor of God. I mean, the, the, I'll just give you an example. I was in the home because I served a minister that was known all over the world. I was in his home, and I was helping him do some stuff, and I went into his closet, and it just had all these suits. They were all Brioni suits. You know, Brioni, it's a, it's a thing in Italy. It's the Brioni brand, $2,000. At least in America, they used to, they, way back then, $2,000 a suit. And I go, wow. He goes, I didn't buy one of those suits. He said, pastors bought those suits for me. I didn't, I would, he said, I wouldn't spend my money on a $2,000 suit. He said, pastors bought them for me. He did, he, he, see, it's amazing how if you obey God, what God would do. He moves on people and they bless you. So he didn't take up a fancy offering and twist somebody's arm, but he had, oh, there must have been 20 suits in there. They were all $2,000 suits. He didn't buy one of them. So he didn't go into ministry to become wealthy but he ended up becoming wealthy because everyone appreciated him so much that they did that without anyone telling them to do it. Does that make sense? So I'm all, I'm, why did I say that? Because I don't think we should judge people that get prospered. I'm happy. When I see a minister get prospered, I'm really happy and I rejoice. Is that okay? All right, thanks. Um, all right, so... Let's get back to this. So we don't go into ministry to make money. It's not our motive. Uh, and then also, uh, let's look at the next verse in 1 Peter 5 and verse 3. It says, uh, not as lords over God's heritage, but making yourself examples to the flock. So um, with that, you know, what is it saying? Well, 
we're not to be authoritarian. We're to lead by example. It's, it's not a, a dictator position, whatever you want to say there. Uh, we do not lord over God's heritage, but it's better to lead by example. And then look at the next verse. It says, And at the coming of the chief keeper, Jesus is the shepherd of all shepherds, uh, you will be given the eternal crown of glory. So what he's saying is, if you actually do everything, he said this is a serious request, and if you actually do these things, when you get up there, you're going to get a crown for it. So this is serious in that way. Now, sometimes we've been told this, that at our church, even on a Sunday morning, we use too many scriptures, you know, like, I, I hear quite a few things, and some, some say, you should do about two or three scriptures and not give so many out. But, you know, we just are who we are, and I don't know how to do this any other way. So as many times as I heard that, I just, I like to do scriptures. I like, you know, they have this, the powers in the word. <laughs> so we're going to keep giving a lot of scriptures out. But, but, and then somebody would say, well, don't tell sheep things that pastors should know. They don't need to hear that. But then I thought, well, isn't this interesting? Because the next verse then in verse 5, it says, and in the same way. So there's a transition going on. This is talking to all the leaders. And then in verse 5, it says, in the same way let the younger men so there's a transition now going from the leaders and i thought well you think that god would like inspire peter by the holy ghost to write this book and then he would say now let me give you the directions on this like don't read verse one to four that's for the pastors you guys don't need to see that that's just between me and them but you can pick up at verse number five no I, he gave the word for everyone and so everyone and I, why did he do that it kind of holds you accountable you know, it, it holds you accountable, and, and that's why he did it. So I'm being held accountable, and anyone else in leadership is being held accountable because those first four verses are to us, okay? But then there's this transition that happens, and let's look at it then. So in the same way, let the younger men be ruled by the older ones. Let all of you, now notice that, all of you, so now this is talking to every single Christian, everyone. So it goes from leadership to everyone. So this is for all of us then. It says, put away pride and make yourselves ready to be servants. For God's a hater of pride, but he gives grace to those who make themselves low. Then let's look at another translation in the, in the English Standard Version. That was the Bible in basic English. This one says, likewise, you who are younger... So there it is. there's that transition again from the leaders to the younger ones. Be subject to the elders. Clothe, clothe yourself. And then it says, all of you with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So what we're looking at today then, this helps us to see it's talking to every single person. So let's summarize where we are, and then we'll go on. So what we learned, the first four verses, leaders, pastors, watch over the flock, Use authority correctly. Don't do ministry to become rich. Don't lord over the flock. Lead by example. That's where we are. Now let's go back to verse 5 and let's move on if that's okay. So look at this. It says then, Likewise, all of you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Close yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we're going to break that down and look at it a little bit more closely today. So Here's the first thing we want to do. There's three relationships in there, 
and we just want to mention the three relationships that are in there. So here's this, relationship number one, it's the pastors, elders, and leaders. This is the, the, the first relationship we see with God and toward the flock. So that's the first thing we see there. Anybody that's in leadership, it's talking about them where it's necessary for me to humble myself under the hand of God. But then it's also necessary, this relationship, that I make sure everything I do toward the flock is humbling myself under the mighty hand of God. That's something that I must do. Okay? Um, so then there's the second relationship, and that's uh, number two, and that's the younger people, their relationship to God and to leaders. So this is like really important that each person... Now, when it says younger, does it mean younger in age? Or is that like an age? Or is that like spiritual? Okay. So, um, sorry guys, my sinuses aren't draining very good right now, so i got to take this moment. All right. <clears throat> Thank you. So is that talking about an age? Or is that talking about... Um, spiritual maturity well i believe it's talking about spiritual maturity because you can be born in a house that's christians and then by being born in that house you grow up in church and you're 20 years old but then somebody that's 60 years old could get saved and they're just a baby christian at 60 does that make sense so i believe when it says younger ones it doesn't mean like younger in age but it has something to do with um a, a, like uh, uh, how long you've been saved and where you are spiritually okay so that's number one relationship, pastors, elders, and leaders. The second relationship is younger ones, their relationship toward the leaders. And then the third relationship, it's all of our relationships one to another. So what, what are we talking about here? Well, this is talking about three relationships. And if, if any one of those relationships are not right, according to what it says, God will oppose that instead of giving grace. So it's one thing to say, well, I respect the leader, but anybody under the leader, forget you. It's not, you can't get out of it. So th this is why I think as a church that we can have more grace. As individuals, we can all have grace. But it's really important that we know that every one of our relationships is important. So it's like, you know, just like treating the leader really good doesn't get anyone... In the kingdom, it doesn't advance anyone because you have to really be good to everyone. Does that make sense? So we're going to look into it a little bit more and help break it down, okay? So with that said, let, here, let me read this. Uh, the, these, these relationships, these are all interwoven. If the leaders aren't leading with the motives, attitudes, and practices required, it makes it difficult for others to yield. Okay? Just think about that for a while. So they're all interwoven. We're like interwoven together. And I just had this, like during praise and worship, something came into my spirit. And I had this, it could be somebody for here or somebody for out there. But I felt like the Holy Ghost said this. You've had so many experiences and they've not gone well. And you've come to this place where you think, who can I trust? Should I give it another try? It never turned out right. 
And the Spirit of the Lord would say to embrace where you are now, to let go of the past, humble yourself, and if you'll do exactly what my word says even now and forget about all the past and relearn to trust me, but relearn to trust others, and you'll see that my spiritual laws and my promises will work for you. So do not be troubled about your past and learn to retrust in order to embrace your future. Now that just, you know, I just got a little phrase and that it all just came right on the spot. So I don't know who it would be talking to, but things didn't turn out right for you because you tried it once. And here's the thing, everything's interwoven. So sometimes you could end up at a place where the leader doesn't do what it says and because the leader didn't do what they said it was such a bad experience and it can happen more than one time and then you could think oh why even just forget it but the lord's saying don't forget it don't forget it if we do what this says there's a future okay okay all right so here's the next thing we want to look at um and that's this like who do we humble ourselves to and it's real simple it's like we humble ourselves to God, His Word, spiritual authority. So, Passy and myself, you know, uh, you, you, a lot of you, I, I say how old I am quite often, and, and I don't need to say it again. But even though I'm that age, and even though I've been walking with the Lord 41 years, we made ourselves accountable ourselves. We're, we're not the ultimate authority. Of course, we're accountable to Jesus, but we have people on the earth that are older than, than us in the Lord, and we're accountable to them. So, everybody, not just, this doesn't, we're not out of this. So we humble ourselves to God, it includes the word, we humble ourselves to spiritual authority, and we humble ourselves one to another. Here's another question now. How many places does this apply? And, you know, so is this just church stuff, or can it, can it work outside of church? And so I think this is mainly written for the house of God, because if you look at the relationships, it's about pastors and what they do with the flock, it's about everyone, how, what they do with spiritual authority, and it's about what we do with one another. So I would say generally this portion of Scripture is mainly for the church and the house of God. But I do know one thing. If you're working in the workplace, if you decide to humble yourself in the workplace, if you really decide to do that, it'll work in the workplace. I mean, people that are working secular jobs, I know it's very competitive, and I know that people can be ugly and speak ugly. They can talk to you mean. They can cuss at you and all that other stuff. But I really do believe if we actually, if we actually walk Christ-like, God can take that and promote us. Joseph got sent off. He ended up in prison, and he acted christ Well, he wasn't Christ-like because it was before Christ, but he acted godly in prison, and he ended up being the ruler of the prison. This actually, I believe, can work out in the world. Humility and having a good attitude works everywhere, okay? But mainly, this is talking to the church world. All right, so with that said, um, let's, let's look at this next thing. So how do I know if I'm not humbling myself? And I think that's a big question. How would you know if you're not humbling yourself? So there's three things here according to what we see in the Bible, and here's the first one. Check your relationships. And why do I say that? Because these five verses that we read, it's all about relationship. And so you would say, well, am I, am I humbling myself? Check your relationships. All right, so motives, the attitudes, and the practices. Now, the first thing for me for checking my relationships, am I doing what I do as a pastor? 
Am I, doing a, am I in right relationship with God? And am I doing everything like I was told to do? So I got to check that to make sure I'm humble. Does that make sense? But then all of us, we need to check our relationships one to another. And sometimes it's necessary to fix a relationship. Now, I want to say this to make sure everyone gets this, and it's no, no one's misunderstanding me. If somebody abuses you, and you've been abused, and it's not safe either verbally or physically, I'm not telling anyone to get into, back into something like that where you could be abused. So at least I wanted to say that. That's not what I'm saying. But you can forgive an abuser, but you still have to have wisdom there. But what I'm saying is, like, outside of abuse or anything, we can all fix relationships that need fixed they can hinder the flow of so many things. We need grace, and we need great grace, and relationships have so much to do with it. Is, is that uh, easy to understand? So we all want to have our relationships in great order. Um, so this reminds me of a story, uh, and I worked in that larger ministry for a number of years, and there was a position coming open for, it was be like a promotion, in a certain area, and a friend of mine thought he was up for it because he was there for about, um, probably about 10 years, and he said, well, I've been here 10 years, I've been faithful, I deserve this promotion, and he was telling me that, and I'm just thinking this because I, I wanted to remain a friend, and I didn't say anything, and it wouldn't have helped anyway because, like, he had a history of 10 years where he, he may have been there for 10 years, but he was critical of leadership and he was talking behind their back for 10 years. So I thought when he's telling me, you know, in leadership, it's amazing sometimes how they hear from God. Without anyone being a tattletale, they know, they, they decide who they want to promote. So I thought he's probably not going to get the position, he won't get it, based on what I knew. And he didn't. Because he thought faithfulness equated to years, but he wasn't loyal those 10 years. He was always murmuring and talking behind the leadership's back. And so he needed to fix that, his relationships, and he was actually being resisted or opposed by God because of what he was doing uh, with leadership. Does that make sense? So th this is like an important thing. And it's, Christianity is a different kind of thing in what we're doing because I, I wrote this down that it's an unusual thing in the Christian world that it is difficult to go where we need to go as a soloist. Each part has a supply, each part needs one another, and we move together. And so, you know, like, so as a church, we want more grace. As a church, we want to see more healings and miracles. But, you know, just like, you know, just if I could be honest, if you just show all this honor and respect toward me, but if we don't get along with one another, we're not going to have the grace we need. So, you know, if you have love and respect toward me, it actually, according to what we read here, it needs to be equal to everyone. I shouldn't have any more love and respect than anyone else should have, you know, and, and so that's, you know, I know I'm talking beyond our church right now, and I believe that in the entire world, we should check our relationships in the church world, and if you're going to a different church and you're watching this, check your relationship, you know, this will bring more grace when we all have our relationships right, and we so need grace, okay? Here's the second thing, accept the knowing it leads to the then. You know, that's a phrase I got, a brand new phrase I never had before, but except the now, I said knowing, I'm sorry, except the now, knowing it leads to the then. And I'll explain it. So I'm going to go into the secular world and do this one. So I, 
a lot of you know that I was a machinist at one time, and so I, I, uh, I, I finished high school, we called it high school where I grew up, and so I'm like 17 or 18 years old, and it was hard to find a job in our town, and so my father said, hey, you know, I have an Italian friend, and he's the HR guy at this plant. So I'm going to take you to see him, and we're going to see if he can get you a job at this plant. So we went to see Joe Parisi, his, I believe his name was, Giuseppe Parisi. And so me and my father sat in front of his desk, and my father said, I, I'd like my son to learn a trade. I'd like him to become a machinist, because my father was a machinist. And my father said, I've always put food on the table, and if you become a machinist, you'll always be able to put food on the table. And I thought, I don't want to be a machinist. You, all you're thinking about is me putting food on the table. But you know, he still wanted me to be a machinist, and I never wanted it, but I ended up becoming it, even though I never wanted it. Um, so we weren't Christians at the time. So he, he, I talked to the guy, and he said, oh, I'll let you know. We, you know, he interviewed me and all that. So I don't know. It was about, I don't know the exact time. It was like a long time ago. But we got the call, and he said, you got the job. So I go there, and this plant was set up like this. You know, you had the, it was like they called it bays. So you had outside that was where, it was a storage place of all the steel, just steel, like racks of steel, like big pieces of steel, because we built big things. Then you had the first bay, that was called the welding bay. They brought it in, and they welded things together. Then you had the next bay, that was the grinding bay, where they, you know, when you weld, it splashes still, and that's where you ground all the splash things that made it really smooth. Then you brought it over here, then you had the, the bay where they did all the machining, they machined it. Then you brought it over here to this bay, and they assembled it. Then you brought it over here and it went back outside again and that's where the trucks picked it up to take it to wherever, you know, wherever they sold it. So I go there in my first day and he said, wear clothes that you can get dirty, wear work clothes. So I go there and I'm not in the first bay, I'm not in the machinist bay, I got in the second bay, or the third if you count outside, and that's where they grind, the grinding bay. And so they gave me a grinder and the, the, they had these wheels that it ground still and they showed me how to take the wheel off and put it back on again, and it was the grinding bay, and they said, all day, when those big pieces come over here, you're going to grind the steel that splashes, you're going to grind that steel off and make it smooth, and that was how I started. And they said, watch out, because if you go in a corner with that thing, it can, in a corner, it can bounce back out and come and get you, so we're protection, I'm the big tough guy, and I didn't, so it was like the first week or so, I went into a corner, it threw that thing out, going full blast, it went right into my leg and just went a half inch into my leg. And um, I might still have the scar there, I'm not sure. But <laughs> I was just really upset with my father's friend, Giuseppe Parisi, because I thought, you said you'd help me be a machinist, but you put me in the grinding bay. So I'm complaining to my father and telling him, you know, your friend said this, and, you know, may, and my father says, nobody starts where they're going to go or at the top. And my father says, be patient, accept where you're, what you're doing, and wait. And I did. So I ended up, there came a day that they brought me to the machine shop and they started to teach me a trade, the machinist trade. And I learned it and I became a machinist. So when we're talking about this stuff, you know, uh, the first thing you do is check your relationships, but the next thing is you accept the now because if you accept it, that means loyalty and faithfulness and loyalty, doing it with your whole heart. If you're going to be there, be there because that, that, that's what leads you to the then. 
And you know, so the, the whole thing that you can bypass, a lot of time, it's hard to bypass you know, with God because we're talking about the kingdom of God and there's a lot of wisdom that flows in the kingdom of God. So we can come up with plans and agendas, but it never really bypasses. You know, God, it's hard to do that with God. Here's another story. That I'll take you to a, the spiritual story realm now. And so when I finished Bible school, you know, and back when I went to Bible school, there was a lot of things. When you leave here and they're telling you all these big things you're, they think you're going to do, and I heard that for two years. When you leave here, you're going to do this. And when you leave here, and I'm, you know, you're thinking like really big. So um, my, my brother, the Lord sent him back to Ohio. I wanted to stay in Tulsa because I thought I saw a lady that I was going to marry named Patsy. And then the Lord surprised me. And you've heard this story before, but I went, he said, go back to your hometown. And I did. And, uh, and my brother said he would never pastor and go back to her hometown. The Lord sent him back to her hometown to pastor. I said I wouldn't mind pastoring in our hometown, but the Lord sent me back there, and he didn't tell me to pastor. He took me away from Tulsa, what I really wanted to do. So I got back there, and I thought, well, I, I don't ever want to compete with my brother. We, you know, we went to Bible school together, so I'll, I'll keep my distance from him. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do. And so he, my brother was going to do a, he was doing a Bible study on a Thursday night in the basement of my oldest brother's home. And so I, I thought I'd go check on it, and I did. So they got worship going on, and it was not very good. And I'm standing there, and the Lord said, help your brother, lead worship for your brother till the worship leader shows up. So I just went to my brother, and I said, hey, the Lord told me to like lead worship for you until your worship leader shows up. And so if you want me to, I will. So he said, yeah. So the very next day on Friday, we had a rehearsal because we're starting church on Sunday in a building. He found a building. So I rehearsed the best I could with my ability, rehearsed the worship team, and then we had our first service on a Sunday, and I led worship. Don't even know if I sang on key. I probably didn't sing on key. Um, but anyway, it was a great day. I led worship. My brother preached and all that stuff. And then, so the next day, I thought I'd go back to see my brother and tell him he did a good job. And I went back to the building. I knew he was there. And I walked into the auditorium, and he straightened up the chairs and picking paper up off the floor. And when I looked at him, the Lord said, I want you to serve your brother. I want you to be his like right-hand man. I want you to clean this church. I want you to put this, and I want you to relieve him of all the stuff he's doing so he can pray, study, and do the spiritual stuff. And he's four years younger than me, so the Lord told me to do that. And there again, I'm just real simple. I, I've always been a simple guy. I just walked right up to him when the Lord said that, hey, the Lord just spoke to me, and he told me to do this. I said, so you can get out of this room. I'm going to clean this room. I'm going to clean this whole building. And I said, you do what you do, and I'll do what I do. You know, and that's how it happened. So, um, and, and you've heard me tell this before. My friend who we went to Bible school with from our town, I'm, I left the door open one night, and I'm there cleaning that toilet, and he comes in, and he sees me. He says, what are you doing? I, I said, cleaning. You know, he said, you're too good to clean toilets. He said, you know pastors all over the country. You could have a traveling minister. He said, I spent $1,000. I got incorporated. I have a nonprofit, and I'm going to be a, a traveling minister. He said, you could do that for $1,000. And I said, well, the Lord didn't tell me to do it. He told me to clean toilets. And I said, I'm happy cleaning toilets. So, uh, and, and, you know, so I said, why don't you join me? Why don't you serve with me? Let's serve my brother together. And he said, your brother is a peer. I went to Bible school with him. He's my friend. He's my peer, and I won't serve him. Now, you see what I'm saying here, like humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God. And so, like, I had to do that. And here's the thing. I was so happy cleaning toilets. You know, and honestly, it's like nice because they don't talk back to you. 
you don't have to counsel them. No. Just being... You see what I'm... Honestly, there's some things that are really like, you know, you can pray and you can really worship. And I would worship God as I did it. And I didn't mind it at all. But here's the point I'm making. You know, I had, you know, I had to accept the now. But, you know, it's weird, like, because I really accept... I embrace it and I was happy in order to go where I needed to be. And then here's the third thing, in his time. And so 1 Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. So what are we talking about? Check your relationships, every single one of them, on every level. Okay, and let's, let's go to that summary now, just the, the, the one I have a screen on. Check your relationships, every single one of them, except the now, it leads to the then, and realize it's in his time. There's a divine timing element. And even that word that just came forth that you might have had some bad experiences and you think, well, I got derailed. Am I ever going to get back on? And I believe the Spirit of God was saying, if you get back on, he has a future for you. The things that you thought you were going to do that seemed like they got uh, derailed so many times and it went bad, if you get back on, God will get you to where you need to be. Okay, so here's one last thing for today, and that's the power of humbling. The power of it. And before I talk about the power, but let's just talk about three things. These three things will not overcome this spiritual law. One of them is knowledge. So knowledge will not overrule this law. So you can have all the knowledge you want. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. But if God is opposing you, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. It will not overrule that spiritual law. So it doesn't matter about knowledge. It matters about humbling yourself under his hand. Secondly, our own opinions will not overrule the law. So many of us have many opinions. We're all opinionated. But our opinions cannot overrule this spiritual law, the spiritual law of humbling. And then number three, a positive confession will not overrule this law. You can be positive, you can have a faith confession, and you can confess until you're blue in the face. But if the Lord says to do one thing and humble yourself, if the Lord says check your relationships that you decide to have, you know, to have motives and attitudes that are wrong, you, and you're not under the hand right there, you can confess and say, I'm going to confess myself here, but you won't confess yourself there because you're not cooperating with that spiritual law. Okay? So let's just finish up now and talk about the power of humbling. So the power of humbling does these following six things. It releases God's grace on us. His grace affects our destiny because you can't get to where you need without grace in the kingdom. His grace... Uh, and remember, great grace provides great power, so it's the door to more supernatural. Uh, number four, it positions us for promotion. Remember, in his time, that's what, that's what this does. So it's so wonderful to humble because we're always in a position to be promoted if we're humble under his hand. Number five, our knowledge becomes beneficial instead of being puffed up. So when we humble ourselves like that, our knowledge then does us good instead of it just falling to the ground because like God is opposing you. And then lastly, our prayers are more fruitful. And so this is the power of humbling. And I think now that we've gone through this, I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but do you feel like that you understand why the Lord would say do that one first because it affects so many different areas? So let's, I'm going to just pray concerning our church and then Kenzie's going to come right after 
and she has a wonderful invitation for everyone. But if we could just do this, uh, we got our leaders and our elders here, and especially with all you guys that are with us today, and then next week we're opening up to a greater degree. But let's just do this before the Lord with everyone. Uh, let's just humble ourselves. Father, just humble ourselves under your hand. Just pray that for our leaders, our elders, our team leaders, uh, pastors. Father, I, Father, we humble ourselves under your hand. You know the best way, Father. So, Father, we just so much want to be under your mighty hand where there's great grace. Father, we have such a desire to see great things. So, uh, Father, this message that you gave, it, it wasn't, it, although we're in this place, of it's, it's a wonderful place where I sense your presence, and it's a, it's a sobering kind of atmosphere right now. It's an it's a atmosphere where we're examining ourselves, but sometimes... It, you have to go back to go forward. So, Father, we're visiting this right now. And we, we're going back and we're examining relationships. So, Father, just thank you for any relationship that would need repaired. We humble ourselves to that, Lord. We humble ourselves to, and, and, and we come under your hand for the, the reason we, the, the motives that we would minister. Why do we minister? We just humble ourselves, Lord. We, we make sure our motives and our agendas are pure. We look after the flock and we look after people with compassion and love. And then, Father, we trust you for divine timing, too. We just humble ourselves under you and we trust you for divine timing, Father. And we just so truly thank you, Lord, that when all things are interwoven and working together, Father, that great grace flows. Father, we see we see great grace through humility, Lord. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at if you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.